he was really my spiritual father and it really hurt and it caused a lot of divisions but i was like you know this is what this is what the scripture says but this is what this is what christianity is saying and these things are not adding up he started telling us that girls you need to you need to dress for your future husbands you shouldn't be dressing for anyone else you and i'm sitting there <laughs> as a 10 year old going i'm 10 why am i wor- why should i be worried about how i'm dressing the openness and sharing and the honesty and how difficult that is because you it, it can be used against you and when that happens you know a, a time or or maybe two if you'll even after the first time will open yourself up again it it's uh it's really painful and it, and it becomes you feel really isolated come over me for this guy and it, it, just his facial expressions looking around like i don't belong here mm. and that made me feel so sad and i was just like i don't belong here either then so pervasive in that culture of like this this idea of american exceptionalism and and like we have to have this flag and we have to be like if if you aren't for the war if you aren't for whatever then you're not really a christian and i'm like how does that fit with a cross um and and that i think kind of shattered the like the, the armor already had a lot of cheeks yeah. But that kind of like was the final blow to be like, okay, I don't know that this is true. And I'm kind of starting to believe that it's not. For the most part, I kept those questions to myself um, because I started to get this feeling um, as much as I loved my church, as much as I loved um, the people there, as much as I felt like this strong sense of belonging, I, I, I really did not feel like it was an okay place to ask really difficult questions. But I I have always thought that that's so not toxic, but like unhealthy because it's teaching us how to be clever and like sneaky with things that we're doing. The Scott Stebbin Podcast presents a Deconstructing Faith series where we look at people's stories of what was built, what was lost, and what was found in between. Episode 4, John Mark Gletto. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. It is so good to uh, be back on the uh in the podcast world and the universe and just be able to share a lot of information with you. It has been a while, but today I'm very excited about this new series I've been working on. It's called uh, a deconstruction series. And that seems to be kind of a big thing that's been happening within the life of the church, especially probably for the past decade where people have kind of left the church and kind of rethinking their faith and kind of deconstructing a lot of the things that they've heard, a lot of the things that they were taught. And today, one of my guests is um, a familiar voice on my show, a familiar face if you're watching this on my YouTube channel. Uh, This is John Mark Gletto. Uh, He has done a lot of podcasts. He is also a local artist and and does a lot of traveling with his artwork and a good buddy of mine. So John Mark, welcome back to the show. It's awesome to be here. I appreciate it. 
So when I, when you hear the word deconstruction, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, breaking down. Breaking down. Mm-hmm. And how do you, th- and especially like within your art, in the art world as an artist, how is deconstruction usually a process um, in the art world? Um, makes me think of uh, abstraction and um, kind of breaking down the movements that have come up until today. And uh, so artistically, I don't really participate that in that so much because I'm more classical. So I'm more um, going with, you know, some of the uh, masters of the old and trying to bring that back into the new. And because the art world has been so destructive, or I'm sorry, so broken down in my view, um, I, my, my feeling is that we need to bring beauty back. Like it went too far, mm. um, too deconstructed. So I think that actually applies to spiritually what we're going to talk about too, um, in my view of what has happened to the church over the last 20 centuries. Yeah, that's, that's very good, uh, John. And um, so kind of tell us a little bit about just kind of your upbringing as far as, you know, uh, growing up, uh, when you started going to church, kind of what was your experience going to church? If you want to, I mean, if you want to say denominations, if you're fine with that, just kind of give me a good, like a picture of kind of your upbringing within the church. So I was born to two Christian parents. Um, dad led a youth group in the Methodist church. Mom played the piano and we were in the Methodist church in my hometown for, uh, eight years until dad got kicked out, uh, by the pastor. I remember (laughs) being in my bedroom and the two of them were in the living room and I could hear them yelling at one another. Um, and so basically the pastor kicked dad out because dad was basically calling him out on some things and uh, he didn't care for that at all. And dad, dad was calling him out on things based on the scriptures. So that's kind of where I get that part of my personality from too. Uh, <laughs> so we left there and went to church of God. Uh, we went there until I was. Now, when uh, you say church of God, do you mean Anderson or you mean Cleveland, Tennessee, or was there like another affiliate with church of God or do you not know? <laughs> Uh, there was no picking up of snakes or anything like that. <laughs> okay. no, no, that's fine. It, it, just keep what, going. Whichever, I'm just whichever's the tame one, that's the one. All yeah, right. you, could, you could mention the Holy Spirit and maybe even t- speak in tongues. You know, there was, so there was a little bit of the spiritual gift. So, all right, okay, whichever one's, one that was. But all right, <laughs> um, we uh, we went we went from there to a non-denominational church um, in Delaware that got started in a hardware store and then really blossomed. And uh, the pastor there was a good friend of ours, so that's um, that's kind of where I finished out my church career. And that was um, that was in two thousand one, and. Um, in, uh, in 1996, um, I, w- I, was, I was always a, a good Christian. You know, I, I was a good boy. I sat in my pew and we, I, I attended my whole life. Um, and in 1996, uh, the Lord really took a hold of my life. Now, when I was five years old, I accepted Jesus into my heart. Um, I was bapti- baptized when I was eight, but uh, all I got was wet that time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
1996, I'm in college and it's March, March 6th of 1996. The Lord just grabs a hold of me and I get a thirst for the scriptures like you wouldn't believe. And I just started devouring the scriptures. I remember starting in my dorm room in First uh, Peter 1, just went right from there um, in my Ryrie study Bible. And um, I just began, I was just blown away by all the things that I never heard in church that are, that's in the scriptures. And um, I, I, make, I make a little joke nowadays where I say the Christian Bible is about 22 pages long, whereas this one's 1900 pages long. And I, w- I was just amazed by all the things that, that I had never been told. Mm. Yeah. So, so basically 1996, you go to college, you had 97 or somewhere around there, you had your experience where the Lord took a hold of you and you started devouring the scriptures. So what were mm. some steps? What were some stepping stones? I think that was kind of like the big stepping stone for you. What were some other stepping stones that kind of eventually led to your departure from the church in 2001 is that correct 2001 yeah yeah i mean folks folks in church noticed that the lord was doing something with me and so i started getting a lot a lot of speaking engagements actually at um home groups at men's prayer meetings um even in church itself the most folks i ever addressed was about 500 and so in one home meeting, I remember the woman said, uh, Moses has come and visited us. You know, people were just so excited. Here's this, here's this young man who's so on fire for Jesus and who is uh, just knowledgeable about the scriptures. And um, yeah, everything was really zooming right along. And then um, I'd started to step on people's toes. Um, I had to talk to the pastor about everything I was seeing in the scriptures, and um, he was not sympathetic at all. And he was really my spiritual father, and it really hurt, and it caused a lot of divisions. But I was like, you know, this is what this is what the scripture says, but this is what this is what Christianity is saying, and these things are not adding up. And um, you know, everybody loves the sinner. But I, I kind of became a problem, you know, and it was all about what's in this book. It's all about what's written. It's all about what Jesus actually said. One, I remember sitting there one Sunday morning and I'm, I'm in John 14 and Jesus says, you know, anybody who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. And he was referencing his miracles mm-hmm. and he will do greater things than these because I'm going to the father and you, I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father and I was like, either that's wrong or we're wrong, but it's one of those two things. Mm-hmm. And there was just example after example of that kind of thing. And the leadership, they don't want to hear that. You know, they want to pass the plate. They want to keep this thing going. But if I'm seeing something like, well, well, hold on now, this is not how the church and the Bible set up. And, you know, there's where, where is the pastor in the scriptures? I can't find that. I can't find that guy. You know, I see elders, I see sheep, and I see deacons. But what on earth is this that we're doing? And so mm. I, came to, I came to see what Jesus was railing at the Pharisees for is the exact same thing the Christian church did. You know, the Pharisees had their Torah, but they created their Talmud. They created their religion, their own set of rules. Well, Christianity did the exact same thing. We have the scriptures. But this is how we're going to run it. 
And it's so not dependent on the Holy Spirit that it's insane. And so, you know, somebody that's going to say those things, you know, well, there's the door, John Mark. And I, I have been kicked out of church. Yeah. And, and, and what you're kind of bringing up is, is a very interesting point. I mean, we see so much so where before I used to believe that, oh, well, just a difference in kind of doctrine or teaching, right? You know, each, you know, from you, you know, you as from birth to eight Methodists, and then from eight to by the time 2001, you know, Church of God. Um, and now, and now, and now, right now, you know, as far as we know, at, at least to this point, you know, you're not going back to church or you've probably been to some churches and been kicked out because again, you're to the point where it's like, I'm, I'm seeing a contradiction here. Here's what the scriptures say. Here's yeah. how the church is moving. And mm-hmm. it seems like they're not connected there it's it's disjointed it's there's a dissonance between the scriptures and the christian life and a pastor really loves it when you as a lay person come and know the bible better than they do they're oh i'm sure a, they do <laughs> they are such a fan of that i can't tell you oh my <laughs> god I'm, I'm not i'm not saying that out of pride i'm, I'm just mm-hmm. saying that that's I'm just reporting to you on what I've experienced. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a shame really, because I mean, and again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be like buffing myself up, but I feel like <laughs> if there's times where I feel like that I may have interpreted something wrong, or if there's something that I didn't see, or maybe there's a scripture that speaks to what I'm speaking on that may speak a little bit clearer than what I'm using. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I've always in my ministry, I've always been very open to that. Um, and I, and just kind of, even when I've in some I mean, sometimes I've heard some like crazy things. I'm like, eh, no, 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 no. Uh, but then every time I've also seen, um, where there's some stuff, I'm like, well, you know what, you bring up a good point and let me go back into the scriptures and let, and I feel like even within that mindset, you know, that helps creates better, especially from an evangelical setting that creates a better, appreciation of the word and a better building up of the word so that we are being in tune to the word. Yeah, I really appreciate I mean, I, what you and I met, I sent you one of my videos that normally ticks everybody off, <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't get ticked off. You know, you were open-minded and I really appreciate that you didn't treat me like so many other pastors did, you know? Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, we think about, so just kind of with the deconstruction, so there's the scripture and just kind of how church culture and the word of God just kind of didn't mash up. Was there anything else that you were seeing or you experienced um, that really kind of was like, uh, or was it really just kind of based on what we're seeing the culture that we see in the scriptures and the culture we're seeing in a modern church today are just not adding up. Yeah, it was just, it was solely the, based on the scriptures, just mm. that there's a different Jesus. You know, I was just, I was seeing antichrist. If you want to get right down to it, mm. the church in the Western world that I've, that I've been in contact with, that that's not the Jesus in the Bible. And if you, if you're getting down to something really hardcore there. Yeah. And so when you say antichrist, cause I know a lot of people have a lot of different views of what yeah. the antichrist is. So in your opinion and kind of your view, especially on that, what do you mean by antichrist? So anti is a prefix that's got two operations. So first you're in contradiction to, and then second you replace it with something. Hmm. So, 
the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, that just loves everybody is not the one in the Bible. You know, he said that if you have my word, you obey me, if you obey my commands, you'll abide in my love, just as I've obeyed my father's commands and abide in his love. So Jesus is saying, you know, something different about his love than church always told. Me. And the gospel, and this, this goes down to, to 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4. There's a different Jesus, a different gospel, and a different spirit. Hmm. And that different Jesus that never judges, that never would have done that to Ananias and Sapphira. You know, if you look at the letters to the churches, you know, Laodicea, I'm about to spit you out of, vomit you out of my mouth. Well, that letter is the most, um, uh, that, that's the modern church in the Western world, that church of Laodicea. I'm rich. I don't need anything. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. You don't realize that you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm trying to get you to repent and turn around. But if you don't, I'm going to remove your lampstand. And you can even even look at the church in Ephesus, the first letter where, you know, they're doing all these great deeds. They're doing, you know, because a lot of, you know, a lot of churches, you know, they do some great things. You know, it's always good when you read the newspaper and there's a, a mega church that pays off like people's medical debt. Like, hey, that's great. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, I know your good deeds. I know this. But there's one thing I have against you. You've forgotten your first love. Well, the, the, mob, the mob will pay your medical bills, too. Well, that's true. <laughs> I will pay your medical bills, but they probably want something in return, um, well, which, true. you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, wow. Wow. Okay. We're yeah. going there. <laughs> but I think, but, but I mean, I, when, when you look at it, I mean, cause if, even when you think about, you know, it's like some of the verses you say, you know, especially like John 13, 14, 15, this idea of abiding with Jesus and that you will bear much fruit and how Jesus throughout John's gospel always modeled. I can do nothing without the father. Right. And it was, and it's like, again, if you will, if I'm connected to the father, me and the father are one, you guys are connected to me. If me and the father are one, then if you're able to abide in me and I abide in you, not only will you bear much fruit, but then you'll be able to do greater things. And actually it will be for good all for your own good that I disappear, that I go because then I will send the paraclete or the Holy spirit to be with you, to empower yeah. you, to, to teach you, to remember everything that I have taught you. And nobody ever wanted to admit that some of those branches are going to get cut off. Oh, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't say that either because, mm -hmm. you know, once saved, always saved. I'm going to heaven, brother. You know, that's it. Paul was like, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, but these clowns, as, as far as I could tell, it was just a meeting of people deluded and thinking they're going to heaven when that's not what the Bible's saying about them by their own admission. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting too, that you bring that up. Cause I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not into the whole once saved, always saved camp uh, because I do see a lot of times in scripture where, I mean, if that was the case, then why would we need, why do we need the epistles in our Bibles? Mm -hmm. So here's these churches that, you know, believe in Jesus, at least at one point where, you know, had the Holy spirit on them and we're doing great things, but mm -hmm. Paul and Peter and John and James had to address the church because they were starting to miss the mark some and they had to get them back on course. Mm -hmm. um, and even and, and even 
and even kind of with that idea, this idea, because I feel like a lot of times when we have that mentality of, well, I'm good. I gave my life. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I accept him into my heart, you know, as the code word is. And then it's almost like, then it's almost like you have this protection around you. But then that means you could still be a jerk to people. You could be, I could go to church every Sunday. Or I could be a pastor, but then, you know, when someone contra- is coming up to me and they know the word better than me, then my ego is going to get a little up. I'm like, uh-uh, well, if you don't like it, you can hear there's the door. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. We hmm. cannot go on in sin. And that that word that's translated in our Bibles as forgiveness, that word in Greek is actually freedom. Mm-hmm. And it came down to sin you know the 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 church is fine with sin because i'm forgiven and i'm going to heaven but that's not the standard of the scriptures you know without holiness no one will see the lord and and that's a big word holiness or sanctification we have to be set free from sin the the Mm -hmm. new testament is very clear that we have to be he, he bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we, being dead to sins, would live to righteousness. And we were all like sheep going astray. But now we have to return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. This submission to the headship of Jesus Christ, the church does not want to hear that. And that that's wormed its way into the family where the father, who is supposed to be a type of Christ, and the mother, who is supposed to be a type of the church, she is not in submission to him. And he is not in submission to Jesus Christ as, and I'm speaking obviously in general terms, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's ruined the family as well, largely, mm-hmm. that relationship of, the, of Christ and his bride, because that relationship was broken down. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when you, when you mentioned earlier about holiness and even, and I threw in the word sanctification, like growing up, like how, how often did you hear those words being thrown around or actually being explained or taught in a way that people understood? No, it, it, I, it wasn't so much in my circles that I ever heard very much of that, but, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with the hem line of somebody's skirt or anything like that. Mm. It, what I've, what the humanistic or the religious interpretations of holiness I've always seen has just been some silly set of rules again, mm. which, which again is that's, that's what the Pharisees were doing. Yeah. And, and I and- want to Oh, if, go, I, go if, ahead. I can, if I can, I just wanted to bring up the older that I get and I'm 45 now, it becomes so much more apparent to me that that we have that the church just repeated what the Pharisees did because Jesus came came at them for saying, you know, you took away the key to knowledge and you yourselves didn't enter and you hindered those who were entering. Well, what's the key to knowledge that he was talking about? He was talking about Isaiah 33, verse six. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Mm -hmm. If Jesus is my buddy and if I'm guaranteed to go to heaven, no matter what I do, because I'm under grace now, I do not fear the Lord. Yeah. That's gone from the Western church by and large. 
And I, and I agree with you because I think what we have is we have replaced this idea of Jesus as father with Jesus as our friend or our buddy. And even, mm-hmm. even, even in the camp ministry, you know, we, we had a thing with like younger kids, like one of the best thing, one of the things we had to teach younger kids is that Jesus is there for you. He loves you. You can always talk to him. So in a way, you know, Jesus is kind of like a friend. But then once we got to a certain age, once you hit junior high, then we're talking about Jesus is your Lord. Jesus yeah. is your savior. He is your master over, mm-hmm. over your lives. And, and there is a thing, but when Jesus becomes, Jesus is your homeboy and he becomes your homeboy from <laughs> five years old to 50 years old, then mm-hmm. it's just like, well, yeah, me and Jesus are going to go watch WWE down in Richmond, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. But that's not, um, you know, that's not, um, that and then you even bit like even when it came to holiness and sanctification you know i don't think i was ever taught that or if i was it was about well do these things and it was about <laughs> trying to be perfect or be the good christian and be the mm-hmm. perfect christian and not once did i heard well my perfection is made in weakness because in when i am weak then i am strong or i am perfect or i made holy when i am connected to christ and that's uh, and there's a difference between me being connected to Christ and weakness versus me trying to work my way to or follow a set of rules so I'm perfect before my heavenly father and then he will look at all the good I've done and how I didn't you know smoke a cigarette or 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 chew tobacco or drank a beer <laughs> or whatever the case may be and I can say hey lord I didn't do that except you know I gossip in the parking lot about other people or you know i said something nasty about someone and never apologized to it because i thought that i was in the right even though we see in scripture that there's certain protocol for that too and you get to a point where you know and i'm kind of with you where it just seems like there's just been kind of a a let me go back I believe that as our culture continues to change, the church has church and church leaders are always trying to how do we engage people who are in tune with the culture to get them into not only into the basically into the church so that they can learn about Jesus. But at the same time, I feel like we see so much so that trying to be the seeker, the seeker family church. You may get a lot of people in, but you're not getting a lot of people who are being transformed on the other side. When you have the other side where you have people who are all about, you know, there's a God and he's going to just keep you. He's going to punish you, punish you, punish you. And he's going to beat you. And you don't really Mm -hmm. talk about, well, God loves you. God loves you. But and we have to follow him. It's not like God loves you. and you, you, You just do you like that where. It's like it's like the pendulum goes left and right, and we never get it right in the middle where it kind of needs to be, which the, the foundation of it is God's word. The water, the water baptism and the dealing with sin and the being cleansed and the, the covenant is still circumcision. It's no longer outward. It's inward. And our hearts have to be changed. We have to be born again. And we have to be set free from sin. It's beyond forgiveness. It's the power of God to change people radically. And that's that's one of the scriptures that got me out of church was um, 
is that second Timothy three um, for in the last days, there'll be perilous times for men will be lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, on and on. They will be a people with a form of godliness. And the scripture would never call a form of godliness anything apart from Christ, mm-hmm. a form of godliness, but they deny its power, have nothing to do with them. That's the power to change people radically, the power of the blood of Christ to change people radically. And that's just that's half of the true gospel getting dealing with sin. The next part is the other baptism and every gospel, all four of them, they introduce Jesus, not as the guy that died for your sins, but as the guy that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And And even the the getting along with Jesus and the, the simplest message is follow me. Follow me. The sons of God are those who are being led by the spirit of God. We have to be dependent on the Holy Spirit to be led by him. And that's the kingdom of God effective in our lives. When we have that relationship with Christ and we're walking with him, Mm -hmm. that it's very, it's, it's simple. Yeah. Death and resurrection. And even, and even if we go into the book of Acts, when Ananias comes through and he's preaching the word and people are being saved. And then Paul comes through and he asks them about the Holy Spirit and they have no clue what he's talking about. So Paul goes and and I and I mean, and I'm I'm not going to just assume that, you know, just the way it's read that Ananias went through, preached the gospel, people got saved, he left, because kind of what was happening in the early churches, once people got saved, they got baptized. I mean, oh, we yeah. see that right at the beginning of Acts, and we see that throughout. So I'm sure Ananias went and he started baptizing people. But then when mm-hmm. Paul goes and he starts asking them, do you know the Holy Spirit? And they're like, who? Like, so Paul baptizes them again in the Holy Spirit. So it's like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that missed the mark. And we can really talk about all this. But I want to kind of kind of wrap kind of this up and kind of where are you at now? I mean, we, I mean, you said mm-hmm. 2001, that was kind of when you finally left the church. So, mm-hmm. and you said you've been, and you kind of alluded to that you've been at some churches and you've been kicked out of churches or been deemed a heretic or whether their words or your words, I'm not sure. <laughs> but mm-hmm. so where are you kind of at? What has been the progress since you've left the church? What has kind of been where you have, what have, how has your faith development been since you have left the church? I've continued in having that passion for the scriptures. Um, and that's, that's the grace of God. That's not, that's not me. Um, so I'm, uh, like you said, I'm an artist, so I, I can listen to the scriptures throughout the day. Um, I used to wear out tapes of the new Testament and of the old Testament, but now everything we can do online. So I listen to it, uh, through Bible gateway through the audio Bibles. Mm. Uh, I have a family now. I have a wife and uh, two children, a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. And uh, we do Bible study in the morning when we get up for school. And then we do Bible study in the evening uh, before we go to bed. And that's kind of like a Deuteronomy 6 kind of thing. When you rise up and when you lay down, Mm -hmm. Um, we take uh, communion every day. We uh, take the body and the blood of Christ. We do that probably six days a week. And again, we just do that because that's what the Bible says to he mm-hmm. says to do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Well, how often did they have to drink wine back then? They, they, they drink, <laughs> so are they your drink. kids drinking wine, John Mark? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes they are. All right. There you go. Good. <laughs> yes. 
just a little from the cup. I know. I'm, I'm not saying here, kid, here's a bottle. <laughs> don't get me in trouble. Um, I don't have to do but, that. You, you're the one who's speaking, man. You speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, so I, I am um, I'm a zealot. I mean, I'm zealous for, um, you know, if, if it says that that's what we should do, then that's what we should do. So that's that's what's gotten me in so much trouble. So it seems so just hearing that, it seems like, you know, daily you are in the, you're doing devotions with your family morning, evening. What's your Sunday morning look like? Um, it's uh, it's another day. Mm. It's another day. It's the first day of the week. But, um, you know, he took the Sabbath day, the seventh day, and he expanded it just like he did with adultery. It's no longer just a physical act now it's in our heart you know Mm -hmm. murder murder is now even hatred so um we just we just rest and we it's nice not to have a boss i mean you can just uh go with whatever the holy spirit's saying Mm. and so have so since 2001 how many how many churches have you actually been to and what has kind of been kind of some of your reasons why you have not attended i'm sure probably i think i might know the answer to that but i would just like to hear your word um yeah it was really it was really there's there's several scriptures about you know if they put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned have nothing to do with them mm-hmm. so um because i believe that's the antichrist that's being promoted on sunday morning and there's a different gospel and um you know, we don't we don't have any part with that, but we we have attended, you know, here or there, you know, randomly. And then we did try to go to um, a, uh, a group um, in town here. Um, I guess that was 2017. And everything would have been fine again if I had just kept my mouth shut. Mm. If I, you know, and then I'm not being true to myself. You know, I should have freedom to say what I what, what's on my heart. Uh, yeah, but that only lasted a few months, and then we got kicked out of there because they didn't want to hear it. Mm. And they were, they, I really, I really loved those folks. I, that, I thought they were wonderful, but um, if they just, um, they didn't want to hear it. Mm. Yeah. All right, all right. So, looking looking towards the future do you think that you and your family would ever try to attempt to go to a traditional i guess like to a church building or a church setting or do you think that you're kind of at the point now where you're just content with you know just doing kind of what you're doing at home having that time of worship in the morning and the evenings I'm not content with it. I mean, it, it's not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, we're supposed to be able to have fellowship with other folks, but, um, and I, I trust the Lord that that's going to occur. I mean, I would, I would love to have a ministry myself outside of the home to more than just three people, you know? Um, and I, I believe, I believe the future is going to be bright, but I don't know when he's going to do that or how he's going to do it. I'm open to whatever he wants to do, but um, that, that's it. That's in his hands. All right. Well, John, Mark, again, thank you for sharing your story. I definitely appreciate you. It's uh, it has been a long year with us not being able to meet face to face with the COVID. We've just been doing it through video conferencing mm-hmm. software. Uh, mm-hmm. But guys, again, thank you so much for listening. I know hopefully this will help you. I know there's probably some of you who are listening right now who 
probably identify with uh, John's story and identify that, you know, sometimes what you're seeing within the church and what you're reading in the scriptures is um, contradicts itself or is there's a dissonance between the two. And if that's you, and if this podcast is really helping you first, I like you to go ahead and just send us a letter, just send me an email or write something when, wherever it's posted, just so we can, uh, get um be able to respond back to you and just kind of share your stories as well also if you're listening to this feel free to rate us give us uh, five stars this kind of helps us improve our quality of our show even though it's just kind of me running ship so hopefully i'll have a lot better stuff to do with the, the since i have more time on my hands now um but guys again i appreciate each and one of Every one of you, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week and tune in next week as we'll have another episode of this deconstructing series. All right. Have a wonderful day and God bless.